I think that in the face of an ever-changing environment, the only thing you can ever really do is to define your own narrative and build awareness of what you bring to the table. everyone thanks for tuning into node job design to help support our mission spread knowledge we have a very special guest on today's episode let's welcome lily conings who's a product designer at facebook where she works on messenger and instagram and prior to facebook she worked at angel list and ibm watson health in this episode lily had shared great insights on designing your design career where we spoke on how design jobs and their responsibilities are constantly evolving and how designers can cope up with these and be industry ready lily shared with us some of her tricks that she had personally used to increase the growth both in terms of professionally and personally as a designer being a designer one have to be a great storyteller so we spoke on how to craft our own narratives as we grow in our career and how to reflect the same narrative in our portfolios hope you guys enjoy this episode and on every friday we release new episodes with different creative leaders from around the world to help you better understand different concepts related to design so don't forget to tune in into notes of design every friday with that being said happy designing everyone Hi Lily, welcome to Notes of Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show. Hey Tej, thanks for inviting me. So Lily, how's your day going? It's going well. Early morning over here in Palm Springs. I just moved here from San Francisco. So day's still young and I'm uh, eager to get started and talk to you today. Wonderful Lily. So if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. Sure. Uh, I am a product designer. I've uh, been a designer for like a number of years now uh, and have been lucky and privileged enough to have worked across companies, both big and small. Um, I started off seven years ago freelancing for a bunch of early stage startups, doing everything from product design to branding to front end development. And um, these were usually startups made up of anywhere from two to 10 people. So they were tiny, tiny operations. And then after that, I went on to IBM Watson Health where I was uh, figuring out how to apply AI in the healthcare space and worked on things like uh, helping cancer patients better understand their diagnosis uh, and helping radiologists identify uh, breast cancer from screening mammograms. Then after that, I was at AngelList, where uh, there are basically three arms of the business, Venture, Talent, and Product Hunt, which we acquired back in 2017. Uh, and I specifically worked on the talent side and help connect uh, millions of job seekers with opportunities at startups around the world. And then flash forward all the way to now, currently I'm at Facebook where I work across Messenger and Instagram on the amazing team that just recently launched the ability for users to communicate across these two apps for the first time ever. So for instance, uh, now I can message an Instagram user from my Messenger account and vice versa. So that's the thousand foot view of what I've been up to over the last decade. Thanks, Lily. So what was your journey into design and how did you start? And what are your tips for the beginners on how to start? 
Uh, so I actually began in computer science. I studied and graduated with a bachelor's in engineering. And when I joined IBM, I was actually hired as a software engineer. Uh, but about eight months in, I came to the realization that I didn't actually want to do engineering for the rest of my life and uh, was more intrigued with the work that my design partners were doing that I began slowly warming my way into projects where design help was more needed and was was able to eventually pivot into becoming a designer without even needing to change teams. So uh, when most people ask me how to get started, I usually caveat with the fact that I kind of did so in a relatively unconventional way, uh, albeit not a total uh, unique way, because most designers I know kind of had their beginning somewhere else. They didn't usually always start in design from scratch, even though that's becoming a little bit more common nowadays, um, as it's becoming this more popular and recognized career path. Uh, but if you do find that you are already in a different field and you're looking to pivot, uh, my tips there would be first and foremost, uh, forge an allyship with your manager because ultimately they can be your biggest friend or your biggest obstacle when it comes to changing careers within the same company. Uh, I definitely had to uh, have not only a proven track record of being successful in my existing role, but I also had to build a lot of trust with my manager before even attempting to have a conversation about changing roles. Um, and then second, I would say uh, before you try to pivot, uh, work as close as possible with designers uh, beforehand so that you can Fully understand what the role is asking for. So this means not only are you trying to understand what they output, you're also trying to understand uh, who they work with, how they work with those people, the types of problems they solve, how they go about solving them, so on and so forth. You're basically um, shadowing these people as much as possible so that um, you know, A, you can fill in their shoes when the opportunity, but also begin weaving a narrative of how your skills can translate to that one. Because comparing the two roles solely based on output, it might seem like you're doing a total 180 on your career. But the more you start to understand the process, the more you'll probably see how many commonalities, especially when it comes to soft skills, you already might have. And that will work wonders in your favor once you position yourself to transition over. Thank you, Lily. So let's begin our episode today with designing your design career. So basically the design jobs and their responsibilities are constantly evolving. So how can a designer cope up with these and be industry ready? Yeah, yeah. Um, product design is one of those roles that changes nonstop and has definitely left us with uh, a dozen little definitions under the same title, under uh, every company thing. And we hear product designer being used interchangeably with UI UX designer or interaction designer. And nowadays, I actually also get the sense that it's just a catch-all term to refer to any designer working on a digital product. So I think that in the face of an ever-changing environment, the only thing you can ever really do is to define your own narrative and build awareness of what you bring to the table so that when it comes time to have a conversation with a potential employer, they're clear about what they mean by product designer and you're clear about the type of designer that you are. So now you're just both trying to figure out whether those two pieces fit because otherwise you're just 
kind of aimlessly trying to guess what you think they're looking for and pretending to be that thing. And then you're just going to make it harder for your interviewer to evaluate you properly and uh, likely find yourself rejected when they can't figure it out. So for example, um, I, know, I know that my strengths lie in product strategy and systems thinking rather than visual or motion design. So when I speak with employers, I very much lay that on the table and go, look, this is me and this is what I can provide. Is there space for that here? If the answer is no, then the fit was never there and that's nobody's fault. If the answer is yes, it's really because I help them put two to two together. They saw someone who can complement, um, for example, an existing team of already hyper visual designers and um, saw me as someone who could bring some balance to the overall team strength and weakness weaknesses. But if I had come in pretending that I was kind of good at visual and motion because I thought that's what they wanted, they would have either a uh, probably disagree with that assessment because they could probably see through that lie or B, uh, never saw my strengths in product strategy to begin with because I didn't bother highlighting it. So probably wrote me off, um, ended up getting myself wrote, uh, wrote off as a subpar visual designer. So I think overall, just spend less time trying to read people's minds of, uh, you know, which new edition of product designer definition they subscribe to and more time just understanding your own strengths and weaknesses as a, as a designer instead. Really? So what what are the techniques that like do's and don'ts that you had personally used to increase your growth, you know, professionally and personally as a designer that you want to suggest for the aspiring designers out there? Yeah, I think, um, I think especially important for aspiring designers is to build a robust feedback loop with their peers, their managers, mentors, so on. Um, quantity of feedback is likely not to hurt for someone just starting out in their career. Although the more you do end up growing in that role, the more you probably want to be uh, strategic about the types of feedback that you ask for and start aiming for quality instead. Uh, but for now, I would say get as much feedback as you can, as regularly as you can. Um, kind of going back to the importance of having self-awareness, uh, uh, I definitely armed myself with understanding pretty early on the type of value I brought to the team. And uh, sometimes even more importantly, the areas of improvement that I would have otherwise been blind to. So getting this feedback helped me be very intentional uh, about the type of growth that I was looking for and not just falling into any random career path um, that would you know later become harder for me to get out of if I if I really wanted to. So I think um, eventually all this feedback from other people other than just myself helped me immensely in building uh, eventually my own sense of internal self-awareness so that I can become more confident in something that uh, ultimately aligned with how other people perceived me. So I think that's a the huge number one tip. So we spoke about uh, crafting their narrative. So any suggestions that you could give on how one can craft their own narrative as they grow in their career and how to reflect the same narrative in their portfolios? Yeah, uh, I mean, career growth, in my opinion, is uh, basically closing the gap between what you want and what you're good at. So ideally, crafting your narrative means that you're drawing a direct line between those two points so that other people can see how you'll eventually get there. Um, so again, taking my own background as an example, I used to be an engineer. And when I was pivoting careers, 
what I wanted was to be a designer, but what I was good at at the time was how to be an engineer. So crafting my narrative meant how do I make other people see how an engineer could be a really good designer? So first, I had to identify the skills I already had that were transferable to my new role. Uh, so for example, um, a designer has to work with engineers. So that meant that I would be a very good collaborator in that sense because I understood in actual practice what a good design handoff really means. Uh, or another example, I um, uh, kind of already came with a keener sense of feasibility when it came to implementing ideas. So I was able to assess different options, uh, not only against usability, but also against technical constraints. So, so on and so forth, just identifying those skills. And then second, I also need to address the gaps in skills I needed to become a designer, but did not currently have. So how can I work towards those skills so that I can become contribute, I can begin contributing as soon as possible? So for instance, if visual design was my biggest skill gap, is there perhaps a project that didn't require a ton of inner interface work while I spent time catching up? Or could I be put on a project where I'm paired with another designer that is already visually strong? So overall, kind of anticipating the concerns and being able to already provide a line of suggestions to allow other people to see how you could realistically get there is going to be critical throughout your career. And I think when it comes to your portfolio, I would say that your portfolio is the kind of the overlapping piece of the, of the Venn diagram between what you want and what you're good at. So all the case studies that you have on there should be exemplary of the transferable skills that you already have um, as you work to, on the skills that you still need. So add to your portfolio supporting the skills you already have and then slowly add case studies to support the skills that you are you know, starting to add to your repertoire until you eventually fully convey the full picture of the role that you're after. Definitely don't pack your portfolio with skills that are irrelevant to the skill that you want. I've definitely seen uh, far too many people put on their portfolio everything under the sun um, that they're okay at in hopes of getting lucky when in reality, it just makes it harder for the recruiter to evaluate you as a candidate. So really put the commonality between your current skills and the needs of the role. And when you get to the interview stage, that's when you can start mitigating any concerns on the skills that you still don't have and really kind of hit your full narrative home. Thank you so much, Lily. So as we spoke about case studies, uh, I would wanted to bring this point, like any tips that you should think that this is the right way that a case study should be crafted on because essentially these days, like almost every budding designer is trying to break down a big major application and trying to cut down into some smaller case studies. But any particular tips or suggestions that you give on particular how to draft a proper case study in terms of product design? Yeah, it definitely depends and varies wildly um, on what stage of your career you are at. Uh, a case study for a entry-level designer versus a senior designer look very, very different. Um, usually, I think the biggest difference is that a senior designer ultimately is a little bit more focused on the impact of their work and less so on the process of their work. Meanwhile, an entry-level designer is still kind of at that point in their career where they're trying to prove that they understand the process to begin with. And, you know, more often than not, they haven't, they haven't really even had the chance to prove you know impact you know like 
prove what success metrics they have to go with their case studies. So I would say if you're an entry-level designer, definitely prove that process piece. So more often than not, I see kind of this uh, pretty common structure of showing um, that you understand, one, the problem space, um, two, uh, you're iterating and you're being thoughtful about how you iterate, Um, you're bringing in other stakeholders, you're working closely with your partners, Um, and then finally, third, uh, what does the final product look like and why does that um, fulfill, you know, the objective that you kind of came in with? And so that's kind of like the main structure I see people go after. And I think that definitely works. And um, I can see that for the most part for entry level designers, they kind of struggle with striking a balance between explaining all of that and not writing, you know, an essay. So I think that is a little bit of an art. And usually I work very, very closely with my mentees to understand which of those um, sections that I just mentioned are the most important pieces, which is why, again, I emphasize so much that designers really need to get feedback because they are, you know, less keen or um, less aware of the areas that are important to know as a designer. So really talk with another designer in the field who has a little bit more experience than you. Have them look at your portfolio. More often than not, you know, ask them what pieces you need to cut out. You know, you're probably... Um, kind of doing a, what I like to call data vomit, you know, where you kind of say everything that you can possibly say in hopes that you're hitting the right mark and then have someone else kind of dial that back for you and basically be an editor for all of that work that you've done. And then you probably have a beautiful case study. Thank you so much, Lily. That was indeed uh, quite impactful. So in the end, like, let's discuss about like any stories that you could share from your workplace or how does your typical day look like? Yeah, um, I mean, work from home looks pretty dull these days, unfortunately. Um, scenery wise, definitely not a lot interesting goes on. Um, although, like I mentioned, I just moved to Palm Springs. So at least the weather is beautiful and I can still go on nice walks. Um, but typically, I start the day by attending team sings and stand ups. Uh, and then I would catch up on notifications, do a bit of correspondence with anybody that I need to collaborate with um, before really getting started on some heads down work. And I also like to plan my week ahead every Monday. So usually I start the day with a pretty good idea what I need to get done. Um, So, you know, usually I just kind of get started on that. Uh, And then once I reach uh, the afternoon, we usually have uh, design critiques for different teams. And if I'm able, I try my best to attend. Uh, Otherwise, I'll probably work all the way up until my other meetings, like one-on-ones or more team things, which are usually at the broader level. And then um, I think once I get my day job work done, I usually do dedicate a few hours before dinner time to really any side hustles I have going on. Uh, Right now, um, that would either be uh, writing my newsletter, which I um, uh, have just begun doing. And I basically answer questions from readers on how to build a career in design. And I try to publish that every two weeks. Or I am organizing a uh, woman in health conference that's taking place later this year, where we basically host a series of conversations by women for women on how to manage and earn more money. So I think you know, I, I kind of do that for a couple hours before I really just try to shut down and unplug and enjoy the rest of the night with my husband and my dog before I start it all over again. 
That's wonderful, Lily. So let's conclude the show by you recommending three favorite books of yours and also three people who inspire you the most in the space. Yeah, yeah. I think book-wise, I think one thing that always sticks in my mind is uh, How to Make Sense of Any Mess by Abby Covert. Um, it's available online for free and it's something that I refer back to pretty often whenever I want to organize my thoughts. Uh, it provides kind of a set of tools and frameworks to ground what appears to be very messy, ambiguous concepts and provide me personally a lot of comfort whenever I face an especially complex problem. So I think if you literally Google how to make sense of any mess, you can probably find the uh, the free book online. My second, uh, I would, it's not so much a book, uh, but a design blog that I especially enjoy. And it's by the folks at Intercom. They have a lot of fantastic writers on their team. And the company also seems to really value designers who are uh, in tune with its business objectives, which is something that aligns with my personal strengths and interests. So I would definitely give that a read. And then finally, um, I admittedly haven't finished this one yet, but I'm in the middle of reading it and I'm enjoying uh, Why Are We Yelling by Buster Benson which basically talks about how to productively disagree with someone. And uh, this is pretty interesting to me because I tend to be that person in the room who throws wrenches in ideas and interact with people who kind of do the same to me. Um, so I think rather than just bending to the loudest voice in the room or even coming across as potentially disrespectful, I've, I'd like to learn how to arrive at the middle ground of being both empathetic and assertive at the same time. So I'm hoping that this book will help me do that. And then as for people, um, I really don't follow a lot of designers, probably because most designers in social media, um, at least in the spotlight, they kind of come across as very uh, traditional type designers who obsess over things like colors and icons and shading, which are all things that I'm personally pretty terrible at and definitely secretly wish I could do better. But I think ultimately, I also just don't have too much interest in. So um, one of the people that I, I've been following recently is April Dunford, who is an absolute gem for me uh, when I found her. And I've been catching up on all of her talks uh, because she's basically um, an expert in uh, what she calls positioning. Um, and so that's kind of coming from a more uh, marketing perspective, what positioning is. Um, but I do identify a lot with that kind of content because I kind of see my career as a product and I'm pretty fascinated by the idea of how I can position my own skills and services such that people want them. And it doesn't, it definitely also do, doesn't hurt to kind of nail this concept for the sake of understanding how to launch successful products at work as well, so that I can be a great partner to my PMs and sales and marketing peers. So I think overall, it's a great concept to really start wrapping my head around. And then I think someone else that I follow a lot recently is uh, Lenny Rachitsky. Uh, he is an incredible resource for all things product and growth. He's uh, basically this ex-Airbnb PM who now writes a newsletter full-time. And I would definitely recommend that newsletter to anybody who is currently building a product, whether you are a PM or a designer or an engineer, so on. Uh, it's incredibly insightful. And I definitely modeled a lot of my own newsletter from it. So I would definitely give that a read as well. Thank you so much, Lily, for your wonderful time. And uh, we are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. 